Well, good morning. <clears throat> They've invited me back, so I don't know if that's because I need more practice or because they can't get rid of me, but uh, it's all right. I'm so thankful to the Lord to be here with you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tony Villatoro, and I am uh, planting uh, with a core team, Sojourn Spring Branch, and we are so grateful for your prayers, for your presence. Um, uh, there's been a few parishes that have been showing up at our gatherings and encouraging us, singing with us. I just want to thank you for that. Um, we just uh, started two neighborhood parishes. We're out of the incubation period and uh, into the neighborhood, and we're also going through some membership curriculum in the evenings, um, and we're excited to launch uh, Sojourn Spring Branch. Um, so thank you for everything that you guys are doing for us. Uh, th th there is a uh, commercial on TV where, <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen it, but there are two friends who are eating at a restaurant and one suddenly says to the other, you know, after her knee surgery, she continued taking her painkillers and I just don't know what to do. And the camera cuts to the other friend and the other friend is seen at a loss for words. Then the next scene in the commercial goes to two friends jogging at the park, and one tells the other, we caught our son with drugs. And then the camera cuts to the other friend, and she is also at a loss for words. And then the narrator goes and promotes the service that they are advertising have, have you suffered in your life? Have you suffered? And when you tell someone they are at a loss for words and they cannot comfort you, have you been there? Uh, maybe you have been uh, there and you are listening to the suffering of your friends and you are at a loss for words. And, and today I want to entitle this sermon, when friends have no answer, when friends have no answer. And, and, and we have been in a sermon series in the book of Job, and in Job chapter 1, we're introduced to what Brandon coined the Billy Graham, right, and the Bill Gates at the same time. Job is the Billy Graham and Bill Gates at of his time. Uh, he is a rich man. He is a blameless man. He is an upright man. But God allows suffering to happen to Job's life. And in chapter 2, everything is taken <clears throat> away from him. Money, cattle, property, servants, even his children. And he loses everything. And in chapter 2, we are introduced to three buddies of his that come to comfort him. Yes, I just used the uh, air quotations. And in verse 12 of chapter 2, these friends, when they saw him from a distance, they didn't recognize Job because of his suffering, and they raised their voices and they wept and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven, and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. 
And, and, and after Job pleads his innocence, man, I'm innocent. I am a good man. Why is this happening to me? And after this, uh, his friends, uh, they, they start talking and they start saying, well, you know what, Job? You probably sinned, and that's why you're going through this suffering and pain. And, and after going back and forth, back and forth for chapters on end with the so-called wisdom from his friends and with Job's cries of why me, we get to chapter 31 where it finishes with the phrase, and the words of Job are ended. Silence. There seems to be not an answer for Job's suffering. Friend one had his say, friend two had his say, friend three had his say. A few times Job has his say, and there is still no answer to why Job is suffering. And in the middle of the story, in chapter 32, someone breaks into the scene by the name of Elihu, and Elihu comes out swinging. And today... Today we see how anger and suffering play with each other. Today we see how anger and suffering play with each other. And I would like for us to explore the reality that sometimes friends don't have an answer to our suffering. So what do we do when friends have no answer? It can be two friends at a diner. It can be two friends jogging at a trail. It can be two friends in a parish. It can be two friends. It can be a group of friends, but there seems to be no answer to our suffering. And maybe today you are the one suffering and you're listening to everybody's logical arguments as to why you're going through this. I mean, it's 2016. I thought that I was going to have a good year, but it still doesn't make sense. Why? Or maybe today you're the one watching someone else suffer. And you, you, you want to know the best way to answer them because, you know, you're a Christian, you have this future hope, but you just, you just can't. And there's no answer. So, so today, Elihu comes out swinging, and I hope that we can learn a few things from this brother. The first thing that we see in the text is when people are angry because there is no answer. So check out verse 2. It says, then Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite of the family of Ram, what does he say? Burned with anger, period. What's the next phrase? He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. Verse 3, he burned with anger also at Job's friends because they had found no answer, although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. I don't know about you, but it seems like someone is very angry. And I don't know if he was a short man, okay, because we kind of short people tend to get a little bit this way. But this was an angry little man. <laughs> and he's angry at Job. He's angry at Job's three friends. And to top it off in verse 5, when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger. Four times in a few verses, we find a man angry, angry. But this anger, this anger was not an isolated anger. This anger was not a purposeless anger. This anger was because there was no answer. There was no answer to Job's suffering. There, the, the, the best that Job could do was, I'm innocent. Why? 
the, the best that the friends could do was, Job, you probably just sinned. And we know very well that these responses are not appropriate responses. We know very well that these responses are not appropriate responses in our suffering. So what, what, what do you do? What do you do when there is no answer? You, you tell yourself, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make these logical arguments of why I'm in this pain, but it doesn't work. Or, or maybe you're saying, I'm trying to help this, this person out, and it's been a few months, and they're still not coming around. It's not working, and it's been 31 chapters of suffering, me talking about it, my parents talking about it with me. I don't even know if I should have been right in exposing this, what I'm going through. What do you do? Because it's not working. Elihu, our man in the text, is burning with anger, but this is a different anger. This is a different anger than the one that we have been used to. Elihu, this angry man for the next five chapters in the text, starts to dish out some wisdom that surprisingly comes from an angry man. And this leads me to the second point, that there is an anger. There is an anger that leads to understanding. There is an anger that leads to understanding. Verse 6 in chapter 32 tells us that Elihu was a young man. He was a timid man. He was a man who was afraid because of his youth. He was, he was open to listen to Job. He was open to listen to the friend's so-called wisdom, but when that fell short, verse 8 is key, and it reads this. But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. The breath of the Almighty speaks to the image of God that we bear, that, that inner response to respond to suffering appropriately. The breath of the Almighty is that, that inner sense in us that when we see injustice, there is something that work gets, gets us worked up and gets us saying, hey, wait, maybe we should talk about that. The spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, motivates Job to speak. The, the, the anger that Elihu felt because Job was accusing God for being unjust prompted Elihu to answer. And this takes us back to verse 1 where, where we see that Job, wait, Job, it, it's, it's good that you're asking questions of why and, and, and God is welcoming those questions. But, but Job, you've kind of gotten off track here and you have started to justify yourself rather than God. You started now to say a few things about God that are not true. You've started to say a few things and you're, you're now righteous in your own eyes. And oh, what a dangerous place that is. What a dangerous place in our suffering it's to be there and to say, I'm righteous. Why? Now, not in a sense of trying to figure out and in pain, but like in a sense that says, why me? What a dangerous place to be in our suffering and justifying ourselves rather than God. So, so this, this calls for a wise response. You, you start to accuse God of injustice. There's a spirit in man 
the breath of the Almighty that's going to motivate you to respond to it. Ephesians 4.26 comes to mind where it just says, be angry, period, and do not sin, period. Be angry, but do not sin. There is a good anger. There is a positive anger, an anger that is rooted in the fact that we were made in God's image, and it pushes us to speak, and it pushes us to respond. But, but, but at the same time, let's be clear, church. We as a people have been angry at some things in our world lately. As, as Americans, we have been angry because there seems to be no answer to a few social issues. There seems to be no answer to the big three or the big five social issues that make up your list. And we are angry. The suffering of the world, not only in our personal lives, but also in our society and as a people, make us angry. If it's not towards one policymaker, it's towards the other. If it's not towards one group, it's toward the other group. And we tweet about it and we comment on it. And the question that we must ask ourselves this morning, church, is, is our anger leading us to understanding? Is our anger leading us to understanding? Because in our anger at injustice, we must be quick to evaluate what emotional, what mental, and what outward result it leads us to. What place does it lead us to? Does our anger lead us to come down to a level that we shouldn't, or, or does it speak to... A sense that the breath of the Almighty is here. Does our anger at our personal suffering and at the sufferings as a people lead us to uninformed opinions or lead us to opinions with weight? In other words, <clears throat> is the breath of the Almighty, that inner response to, to respond appropriately to injustice, is, is, is that Activate it when we see our suffering that leads us to a place of understanding. And I, and I tell you, may we, may we repent as a church because sometimes we have not recognized that the breath of the Almighty is right here with us. May we repent because we have lashed out at times even more than other times incorrectly at the suffering of the world. And we find ourselves in our suffering like Job has, saying a few things about God that are not true. Justifying ourselves rather than God. For, for, for anger, for anger to lead to understanding, it must come from a good place. And this is, this is an anger that comes from patience. 
anger that comes from patience. So there, there is an anger that leads to understanding, but then there's also an anger that comes from patience. And Elihu, Elihu has been silent for a while. No one is able to respond to the answer, to, to, to answer Job as to why is he suffering. And, and, and Eugene Peterson translates verse 12 and 13 of chapter 32 in this way. And now, he says, what have you proved? Nothing. Nothing you say has even touched Job. And, and, and you know what? Don't excuse yourselves by saying, we've done our best. Now it's up to God to talk some sense into him. No. We should have saved us a lot of reading in our Bible devotional if you wouldn't have to go through all of this. You have done nothing. These friends have exhausted their so-called wisdom of Job's suffering, and they have nothing else to say. They've gotten quiet. It's silent. Job himself has said time and again, hey, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm good. I'm innocent. I'm good, and has nothing else to say, and his words have ended. Silence. Um, I don't know, but if, if you're married, uh, have you experienced what my wife and I like to call spirited discussions? So we've had a few of those, a few. We've had a number of those in the, in the last five years of, of marriage. And if you are single here, oh, that's so cute. It's not cute. Oh, I can't wait to fight with my future spouse. No, you, no, you wait a little longer. But does anyone know about, about those? Um, you know, you start arguing, you start competing with words, and, and you start trying to, you know, compete and, you, well, get a little louder. No, well, but, no, well, but. That's kind of like my favorite phrases in my arguments with my wife. No, well, but, let's figure this thing out. And, and when there is no resolution, there is an eerie, frustrating silence because you don't know what else to say. Like, I want to argue in Spanish now. Okay, let's, let's switch, right? Like, what do you do? do? Do I get out of the room? Do I stop folding laundry? Do I ask for the check? What are we going to do, right? And, and this is what has been happening for the past 30 chapters. These friends are just kind of throwing out their so-called wisdom. Job is coming back and saying, no, well, but. And this is happening and again and again, spirited discussions. Then chapter 31 ends with the words of Job have ended. Silence. And Elihu says in verse 11 and 12, behold, I waited for your words. I listened to your wise sayings while you searched out what to say. I gave you my attention. This guy has waited, has listened, has searched, has given attention. His anger, his, his, his anger is coming from a particular place, coming from patience. In, in, in our suffering, maybe it's time to stop getting ready for the fourth cycle, for the fourth round of logical arguments for our suffering. Maybe it's time to stop responding. And maybe that should be our life verse, if, that, if you have one. My words have ended. Maybe it's time to rewind a little bit and go back to chapter 2 and sit with our suffering. We, we need a fresh perspective. Because you know what? I've said some things in my suffering that are not correct about God, about my situation. 
today in our lives, we probably have been talking too much. So why don't we retreat to that place of waiting, of listening once again? Because this story and, and, and our story, but this story and our story, it's going to get some resolution. We, we still have 10 chapters to go. We are in 32. We're going to get to chapter 42 very soon. But for now, let's come from a place of waiting and listening. Well, you know what, man? I've, I've listened long enough. Let's wait a little longer. And I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting in my suffering. Let's wait a little longer and Elihu, Elihu is angry because there is no answer, but this, this anger comes from patience. So, so with anger that leads to understanding, it comes from patience. There is an anger that has an answer. And if you read in verse 15 through 17, check this out in your Bibles, it says they, they, they are dismayed. These friends are dismayed. They answer no more. They have not a word to say. And, and shall I wait because they do not speak, because they stand there and answer no more? I also will answer with my share. I also will declare my opinion. So, so an answer that comes from patience leads to understanding. An anger that comes from patience and leads to understanding has an answer. There is the breath of the Almighty that will prompt you to speak, but it must come from patience. Elihu is about to burst in this section of the text. He is full with words. He says, man, I've been burning up for the past few chapters listening to you guys, waiting for a response, and there is no answer. And you know what? For the next five chapters, you can't shut the guy up. He starts to talk. Elihu's anger has an answer. And, and, and in the course of the next few chapters, here are the four things that, 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 that if you don't get anything, I would like for you to get these four things that he tells Job. Church, let's, let's, let's do these together. Number one, he says, Job, Job. That's the Salvadorian way of kind of calling to your, Job, you're not paying attention. Listen. Y'all are like, what, what, what did he just do? Job, listen to the breath of the Almighty because it's here. One, two. Job, repent because you've justified yourself rather than God. Three, Job, stop trying to justify yourself and your innocence. Number four, Job, fear God alone. Come back to God. This is, this is the anger that comes from patience, leads to understanding. This is the answer that Elihu's anger leads us to. And today, the, the directives are simple. Hard, but simple. Hard to do. Number one, listen to God. Number two, repent of your self-righteousness. Number three, stop justifying yourself. Number four, fear God. Harsh words when you are sitting in your suffering. I want to hear that. In 2015, in uh, May, we had put in our earnest money. We said, 
we are on track with our goals. Before we're 30, we want to buy a home in the Spring Branch area. The day of closing, uh, 8.30 in the morning, I get a call. We're not going to be able to give you the loan. So we've been through the process for the last four months. Paperwork turned in. All kinds of stuff turned in. We're ready. Down payment's ready. Earnest money's ready. And we end up losing the house. And we end up losing the earnest money. That night, I have a dinner with a few church planning friends. And one of them says, you know, the Lord has something bigger for you. That's not exactly what I want to hear tonight. Harsh words. Taking my wife and I to, hey, let's get our, where are we at in our lives? Where are we at in our spiritual lives? And I tell you, it didn't happen overnight. And I, a few months, like we, we, blew, we went to the outlets, got, got us a few shirts and, you know, with all the down payment. And we kind of, you know, played around a little bit and went to Galveston, Right. But a few months later, we're, we're, okay, you know, this is an experience that it's not going to mark us. We've been suffering for the past few months. And, and maybe your suffering looks totally different. Maybe your suffering is, is, is way more painful. But the reality is we don't want to hear, listen to God, repent of your self-righteousness. We don't want to hear, stop trying to justify yourself. We don't want to hear, fear God alone. I mean, I'm trying to get a house. I'm trying, we're trying to grow our family. But today the directives are there. Listen to God. Repent of your self-righteousness. Stop justifying yourself. Come back to God. This is an answer that comes from patience, leads to understanding, and today I pray that we heed it when you're angry because there is no answer. Does this answer completely resolve the why of our suffering? No, it doesn't. Does it complete the picture? No, it doesn't. But it'll do for now. It'll do for now. My, my, my brother is a, uh, a, a rookie barber, okay? And what that means is that he has not cut anybody's hair, but he kind of knows how to cut hair. So he's been looking at my beard for the past few weeks, and, and, and he, he always tells me it's getting pretty shaggy. So he tells me, hey, bro, let me cut you. I'm like, bro, don't say that. You can't say that. Like, don't. No. So, so this week he comes over. He comes over and starts cutting me, right, cutting me. It's, it's lying for shaving me and shaping the beard. And uh, he comes, and when he, put, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he finishes, he pushes my head back, and he says, you know what? It ain't perfect, but it'll grow back. <laughs> and it, takes, it takes a while for it to grow back, man, and it doesn't grow back anymore. <laughs> what, we are living, what we are leaving with this Sunday is Elihu's answers are not perfect, 
but it'll do until the barber comes. And oh, when the barber comes, he will give us the best answer. See, the tension, the tension that the Old Testament and the tension in this book that needs an answer is that either Job is right and God is unjust, or, or, or Job is wrong and, and God is just. That, that's the answer that needs to be resolved here. And, and God resolves that tension by giving us Jesus. In, in the death of Jesus Christ, he, God proves that, that God is just, and in so doing, God makes us right at the same time. Now, I need to say that again. The tension is that either Job is right and God is unjust or that Job is wrong and that God is just. That's the tension that we need to clarify today. And God resolves that by giving us Jesus Christ and says, hey, in Jesus' death, God is proving that he is just because someone is dying here. And at the same time, he is making us Right, just. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 3, verse 26. And he's, man, he's going at it. And he says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who puts his faith, who has faith in Jesus. God is just Job. And God makes you righteous Job. Sufferer. God in Jesus is just. And if you have faith in him, he justifies you. Jesus who suffered on our behalf he did so so that we wouldn't suffer eternally. So, for now, what do we do? What do we do? This is the best that Elihu can give us today. Way better than the 30 chapters before this. It'll do for now. And, and one commentator puts it like this. Job's, Job's friends, he says, hey man, you're, you're suffering because you sinned while, while Elihu, <clears throat> Elihu is saying, hey, you have sinned in your suffering. It's not that you've sinned before. It's that in your suffering, you've said a few things about God that were not right. And maybe today, maybe today we have tried to resolve our sufferings with so-called wisdom from friends and we have sinned because we have not gone to the source. We have not put our faith in Jesus. Or maybe today we have even justified ourselves and we have not waited for the justifier to justify us, to make us right. But in Jesus, in Jesus he shows us that he is the better Job, the true Job. That even if Job continues to justify himself, Jesus didn't. 
that in Jesus dying for our sins, he justified us. Believe this today, y'all. Today, let our anger come out of patience, leading us to understanding has an answer. It's not the best answer, but it'll do because we know that the real answer is coming. The real answer has come. He has justified us. He will wipe every tear. But may we in our anger today come from a place of patience leading us to understanding. May, may we listen to the breath of the Almighty, to the Spirit in man. May we repent and may we begin to fear him. Let us pray. God, we have been waiting for an answer, and in our suffering and pain, we have gotten angry at times. We probably have said some things <laughs> that we have asked you for forgiveness. We probably, oh, we surely have. I pray right now that we could once again rewind and sit and that our anger can come from a place of patience that leads to understanding but that anger has an ultimate answer and that that answer is found in you Jesus that you are just and that you justify us we thank you for that amen